Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. The Koala Moon podcast has revolutionised over 20 million bedtimes, with parents like you calling it life-changing and the perfect nighttime routine. With original kids' bedtime stories and cosy sleep meditations, every episode has been specially designed to make bedtimes a dream. Listen to Koala Moon on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I won't let my body outweigh. Outweigh everything that I'm made of. Won't spend my life trying to change. I'm learning to love who I am. I am strong. I feel free. I know every part of me is beautiful. And I will always outweigh. If you feel it, put your hands in the air. Show some love to the new while you're there. Let's take it one day at a time. Did you and I outweigh? Welcome back to Outweigh. We're joined again by Eleni, the amazing weight inclusive dietitian that we had on two weeks ago, talking about what a weight inclusive dietitian is, um, how eating disorders can exist within larger bodies, and so many other amazing conversations about how. People in bigger bodies can take their power back by unlearning so much of what has been ingrained. So like I said in that episode, we are really excited to have Eleni back because she has a really interesting story that involves PCOS and even her own weight loss journey and then pivoting into becoming a weight-inclusive dietitian. That being said, we want to put a trigger warning out there now that we are going to be talking about her weight loss journey in the context of what doctors told her to do and what happened. If that doesn't feel good for you at this time, go ahead and skip this episode. But we just 
just want to let you know. So welcome back, Eleni. We're so excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm so excited to have this conversation because PCOS is something that a lot of people don't really know a lot about. A lot of healthcare practitioners don't really know about. A lot of dietitians don't know a lot about. And there's a lot of misinformation and not such good information being perpetuated on social media. Um, There are very large accounts pushing narratives just that are not healthy mentally or physically for women or girls with PCOS. And so I think that this is really important, especially in the context of disordered eating and eating disorders, which it is very prevalent in this population. So let's kind of start from the basics of what PCOS is when you were diagnosed, who diagnosed you? PCOS is polycystic ovary syndrome. And what makes it difficult is that there are no definite concrete symptoms. Everyone is kind of different. Um, I call it kind of like a spectrum. Some people have it not so seriously and other people have it much more seriously. Some of the symptoms include elevated androgen levels in your lab values. So women with PCOS who have this symptom um, have a lot of excess hair growth, male pattern baldness, things like that. Another kinds of telltale is really bad acne is another symptom. High body weight is considered a symptom as a result of the insulin resistance, which is something that is experienced with women with PCOS and most characteristically is not having your menstrual cycle or not having it frequently enough. So what were your symptoms specifically? At the beginning, um, I basically have had PCOS my whole life, but I was not diagnosed until I was 20 by the dietitian that I started to see. She kind of took down all my symptoms and everything. And at that point, I was over 300 pounds. And I had been essentially dieting my whole life since I was in third grade. That's as young as I could remember. I had done like every single diet possible. And so my whole life, I was just searching for shrinking myself. And it just kind of made it worse. Like it just kind of compounded and that's how I ended up where I was. And so I would argue that at that point, I was not in tune with myself. I was not in tune with my body. I didn't even know how to listen to my body. And so I had found this dietitian who inspired me to become a dietitian. Um, I was pre-med at the time. I was in my junior year of college as a bio major, chem minor. It was just, you know, a difficult time. And so I had met her and I had told her I tried everything. And like, everyone was telling me like, you have to lose weight. And she was like, I think based on like your symptoms and just hearing about like your history, like you have something called PCOS. And I was like, what is that? I had never heard of that before. And so she was the first person to tell me about it. And when I had gone to the gynecologist that I was seeing at the time and I told him, he was like, oh no, that's crazy. You don't have it. He didn't even test me or anything. And so, like I said, it's difficult because certain lab values may or may not be within normal range. Some women with PCOS have cysts on their ovaries. Others don't. I personally do not have cysts on my ovaries. So it's, it's a little bit difficult because sometimes it's not really diagnosed. And so not having your period is definitely one of those things um, mm-hmm. that I experienced. And I was just put on the pill. Like no one even thought like, okay, what's going on under underneath that. So you lost your period. That was a symptom. But like you said, you were so out of tune with your body at that point. The medical professional just said, go on the pill, problem solved, period came back, didn't dive further. 
Correct. And so I had started to see this dietitian and I had started to lose weight working with her. I never counted calories or anything like that. It was just like increasing the fiber that I ate throughout the day. But in this process of losing weight, because I had probably lost over a hundred pounds, I don't count. I don't weigh myself. Um, she would just tell me how much I had lost at the time. I developed much more severe disordered eating patterns where I became afraid of eating carbohydrates. I would restrict carbohydrates and then binge on them. And so in the process of doing something that I was being congratulated for because you have PCOS and now you're losing weight and it's going to fix everything because that's kind of how healthcare practitioners approach it. I mean, even like research focuses on what's the best diet to control weight and PCOS. And so when I did my master's thesis, I focused on this because I was like, no one knows what's going on. Like all the studies were inconclusive. And that should just tell us that there is no one diet that's going to help every single person or every single woman with PCOS. And so the reason why I wanted to talk about my experience as far as weight loss goes is because... I did lose the weight. And when I finally did get diagnosed by like an actual great gynecologist, my hormone levels were all over the place. And, mm. you know, I was still on the pill. So I didn't even know if my cycles were, were regular, but I didn't know that I felt like, okay, well, I lost all this weight, like I should be fine now. You know, that's kind of how I thought it was supposed to be. Um, and it just wasn't the case. And, you know, I think it's important to highlight that if someone comes to me and they're pre-diabetic and they are of a normal sized body or a larger size body recommendations are the same. So I do have specific recommendations for PCOS generally, depending on the client. Um, I do find that including more fiber rich foods are good, but also I find that for most individuals in general, but it just monitoring what your symptoms are and trying to address them is really more important than focusing on weight loss, which is why I don't encourage it or promote intentional weight loss. So to back up for a second, you started seeing a registered dietitian, you were losing weight, you were being congratulated by people, you assumed that you must be improving your health because all the doctors and medical professionals said to improve symptoms of PCOS, lose weight, that will just, you know, blanket take care of all of your problems. At the same time, we kind of left off our last episode kind of talking about this, you were binging and restricting, mm -hmm. you had a messed up relationship to carbohydrates because PCOS is a disorder that messes with ability to manage blood sugar. So your relationship to food, specifically carbohydrates, is kind of messed up. You're binging, you're restricting, you're thinking about food all the time, but you're getting applauded and you assume that you're improving your health. Yeah, 100%. That's confusing. <laughs> yeah, and like... The thing is, is that even though science is so advanced, especially when it comes to PCOS, there is just so much about the hormonal levels and how it influences so many different things that we just don't really know yet. And that's why women with PCOS are more likely to have depression and anxiety and then disordered eating and eating disorders because a lot of the times you see women that lost a lot of weight, made an Instagram to talk about it. And and then they're doing keto and low carb and all these things. And at the end of the day, 
disordered eating like kind of overtakes it. And then these women just end up in worse positions than they were before. So it could be very dangerous because this is a medical condition that impacts your insulin and your, you know, blood sugar levels and all sorts of things like that. So yeah, so I thought that that's what I was supposed to do. And, you know, I had already not had a great relationship with food. But when you receive the literal praise that I was receiving on a daily basis from everyone in my life, people that I work with my professors in college, like it's very overwhelming. And so to get to a point where I started to gain weight back because I was over restricting and then overeating and just, I didn't know how to listen to my body. I didn't think that my body could be trusted because look at how it made me over 300 pounds. Like I vilified myself because that's what society and health professionals told me, you know, obese is bad. It means that you're not in control, but me trying to puts myself under control was what had got me there in the first place. For you, it just must be such a tumultuous journey from being on a diet when you're in third grade to dealing with this your entire life to finally losing a significant amount of weight to arriving at this point where all of your, I'm going to call it hard work. I don't know if that's how I feel about that word or if that's how you describe it, but I'm sure at the time it felt like an accomplishment, whether it was or was not because everybody was congratulating you only to then, you know, find out that your health markers still haven't improved. You still have to learn how to manage PCOS is a little bit of a mind fork. I'll call it. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. And the crazy part is, is that I was just so desperate to lose weight that like, it wasn't even I mean, I was, you know, much younger at the time, this was about 10 years ago. But you know, I was just still so hung up on the fact that like, I had to lose weight, because that's all people would talk about. And that's what people would constantly ask me like, what's your goal? Like, how much do you more do you want to lose? And I was just like, I don't know. Like, I did have a part of me that was like, well, whatever it is, is what it will be. And I don't have a plan, but I just kept chasing this idea. And so in the pursuit of health, I made my relationship with food even worse. And my hormones didn't even get better. So I was kind of like, oh, no, like, what was the point of all of this, you know, and to explain this to people who are Uh, who have PCOS or just in general who are in larger size bodies who are being told like you have to lose weight for your health. I mean, it's just such a negative way that people look at themselves because of this. And it's so ingrained that I didn't even realize how much it impacted me. And to get to a point, like I said last episode, to say like, I had gained weight back and I don't know how much it was, but I was just so like, I just felt like something in me was like, I can't keep doing this anymore. Like I have to do something else. And one of the fear foods that I had was oatmeal. I know that sounds crazy, but oatmeal is just carbs. It's And it's not even high in fiber. Like I just remember hearing myself in my head saying that. And I ended up starting to eat oatmeal in the morning every single day for breakfast, like, cause I enjoyed it. It was convenient. And I like added things like ground flaxseed and peanut butter and cacao nibs and strawberries. And it was like, you know, it was slowly how I healed my relationship with food, reintroducing foods that I was afraid of. In the process, my weight has come down. I don't know how much or whatever, but I could tell by how things were fitting me. And essentially, like my body has maintained where I am with working out and everything. Maybe it continues to go down a little bit more or maybe it goes up. I'm not sure. But like I go to the gynecologist every six months. I look at my labs 
um, one of the telltale signs of knowing that what I've been eating and actually being more intuitive with what I'm eating and listening to my body, I didn't have cysts on my ovaries. I had enlarged ovaries. And over the years and over time, my ovaries actually came back down to like a normal size range. So like that was a way of me knowing that this was something that was good. And so something that I think is important to highlight is just because I don't promote intentional weight loss and I don't promote diets doesn't mean that I can't use like gentle nutrition and like principles that we know that do impact like lab values, for example. So if you have, you know, a high, your, your blood sugar control isn't good and you have PCOS or if you're pre-diabetic or diabetic, there are things that we could do that can like kind of help balance out your blood sugar that still can eat intuitively. And there are studies that are being done that do not look at PCOS, but diabetics in general and looking at blood sugar control while intuitive eating. And it has been shown that there are some benefits to it. I mean, these studies are not very in-depth and, you know, as with most studies, you know, more studies need to be done, but there is a way to help heal your PCOS or whatever it may be while still healing your relationship with food. And like you said, your relationship to food and your lab values started to improve when you brought the things in that you couldn't eat, when you made food fun, adding peanut butter, cacao nibs, like what a positive approach to nutrition, essentially, which is, I think, is kind of like what you're about. Parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. I'm Abby, a mother of two, and I had these battles myself. Endless excuses, delay tactics, and many tears and tantrums. But I've created a solution. The perfect kids podcast that makes bedtime a dream. It's called Koala Moon, and it's hosted by me, Abby. With over 300 episodes, packed with original stories and sleep meditations, Koala Moon makes bedtimes easy and enjoyable. Episodes start out engaging and really rather magical, but as they progress, they gently slow to a calm and relaxing pace to have your little ones out like a light. Since launching in 2022, Koala Moon has helped with over 20 million nights sleep and received over 6,000 five-star reviews. Win back your evenings. Listen to Koala Moon now on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is an NAACP and Webby award-winning podcast dedicated to all things mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. Here, we have the conversations that help Black women decipher how their past inform who they are today and use that information to decide who they want to be moving forward. We chat about things like how to establish routines that center self-care, what burnout looks and feels like, and defining what aspects of our lives are making us happy and what parts are holding us back. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. My simple solution to the problem was remove people from the scene and help them feel safer. In response to attacks against Asian Americans, 
Maddie Park raised over $250,000 to donate cab rides to the Asian community. There is so much more work to be done. We really need to come together and tackle this issue as a community. Support the Asian community. Learn how at lovehasnolabels.com. Brought to you by Love Has No Labels and the Ad Council. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And I just want to touch on one thing you said earlier, which you said science is advanced, and it is, but the most humbling thing that I always return to is that nutrition and science is actually young. No matter how advanced it is, it's always going to be young, and we need to stay humble and recognize that everything we know, the more we know over time, we still only understand a fraction of it all because we're only human beings trying to solve the most complex, you know, puzzle of all time, many of which the variables are always changing as a result of nature and, and the life that we do live. In a post that you wrote, you said, lowering your weight will improve your health outcomes, possibly. But for healthy long-term goals to be reached, the behaviors need to be suitable for your body. And I love that sentence because in medicine, we see or we're, we're trained to be told that if we just fix the number, the lab values will improve. And I think, like you said, that sends a lot of people who don't have that wake up call like you did on a lifelong journey of painful dieting, because dieting is not just eating a certain way. It's living a certain way. It's thinking a certain way. It's losing your life to something else externally under the guise of health. So I think it's, it's so interesting to really pay attention to yourself, not just at a three month marker of being on a diet or a year, but the long-term outcomes and lift up what's under the hood. So even if your doctor's congratulating you and your lab values are improved, there are people who are going to lose weight and their, you know, their blood sugar is going to improve, or maybe their PCOS symptoms will improve. It will be because of a lot of other things, but they'll chalk it up to the weight. So how can we get people to look under the hood and say, am I really okay, even though everyone seems to think I'm okay? (laughs) Yeah, and that's a good point to like look under the, the hood. And for me, what I realized just as a practitioner that I had clients that improved their lab values, their weight didn't really change, but they started to have their their menstrual cycle more regular 
which means that their hormones were kind of balancing out. So using weight in general just isn't my I'm not a fan of, and I've had many conversations with physicians of my clients about this specifically, like, we're not going to weigh this patient. This patient doesn't want to be weighed, like, please don't weigh this patient. Because then, you know, for some people, it's very triggering, you know, like, I feel great, my lab values are great, but like the scale hasn't moved. And, Mm. you know, so I don't weigh my clients. Um, I don't encourage them to be weighed. You're looking under the hood. I mean, you're asking them how they feel. You're getting the lab values. You're making sure that they're good without them being thrown off by this external variable. And I think it's important to realize, like, when you talk about health, what does that actually mean? It's different for everyone. So let's say you have PCOS. And like I said, it's like a spectrum. And one of the studies that I looked at in my thesis from when I was doing my master's was that regardless of weight status, women with PCOS experience insulin resistance. So even in a normal, quote unquote, normal weighted women Mm. with PCOS still exhibited insulin resistance whether they were overweight, obese, or regular sized. And so to me, that's like very telling, like, well, so someone comes to you, they have abnormal lab values, but they're of a normal weight. What do you recommend? You don't Mm -hmm. recommend weight loss. You like, you know, you figure out depending on what the lab value is and what nutritionally we can actually do. But again, it also depends on where you are in your relationship with food. If you have a poor relationship with food and you've been dieting and you're exhibiting disordered eating habits, I don't care about anything else. We need to work on that first. And so it just really depends on the situation. So the last question I have for you is you're obviously a weight inclusive dietitian now, and you're really helping people prioritize their health condition. A lot of us out there work with the generalized population of disordered eating, but to take it a step further and help people that oftentimes need more gentle nutrition or maybe less gentle, they need more coaching on how to, I just call it nutrition education, really. Like they need to learn how to eat to manage their blood sugar or things like that. It's so important that we have people like you in the field to do so. So I'd love to kind of just, I know we're kind of going backwards here, but what is a weight inclusive dietitian and what made you pivot into becoming one? Like I said, on the last episode, I was noticing a lot of these disordered habits and clients that came to me in a larger body size that came to me because they wanted to lose weight. And when I explained to them that these habits are disordered and this is not a healthy way to live, it was kind of like eye-opening, but they're like, but I'm, you know, overweight. Like, how can I have disordered eating or, you know, an eating disorder? And I was like, this is what the habits mean. And you deserve to heal your relationship with food before we do anything else. And even women in larger size bodies could have very disordered relationships with movement and exercise. And there are patients of mine that are in larger size bodies that were working on healing their relationship with food. And I don't recommend for them to exercise because they have such a disordered relationship, meaning that they try to subconsciously burn a certain amount of calories. They have the Apple watch. And now the big thing with the Peloton, how it like ranks you and, you know, all these things. So I I love my Peloton. I have no idea how to even (laughs) like know what the rankings are, which I I guess... well, I don't even know what the numbers mean. So it's funny to me that people are getting so roped up into this. But- Especially during the past year when it's like the year of the Peloton. Like I even mm-hmm. was like, should I get a Peloton? Even though like I hate bicycling. Like there's just. Oh, yeah, I have thing. a treadmill. <laughs> 
know everyone's different and so but like if that's what you like then 100% that's amazing but I a lot of people don't realize like just because you're in a large size body doesn't mean you need to force yourself to move your move your body to lose weight or to earn food or to earn off the food that you're eating later and a lot of these thoughts are so subconscious that people didn't even realize that this is what they were experiencing so I, I realized that I was doing a disservice to let them like helping someone lose weight for the most part is really not hard but the idea of what's maintainable and what's actually healthy that's the hard part and so like I explained to my clients when someone first comes to me their intention may be to lose weight and I explained to them that is not what I do like you may lose weight while this you you are going on this journey but you may not you may gain weight may stay exactly the same but feeling free around food is like the most liberating thing when you don't even think about it it's freedom period because i mean food is happening multiple times a day and yeah. if you're in food jail you're in jail yeah a hundred percent and i didn't even realize that when i was going through my experience like how my habits were so disordered when friends of mine said like we would go out to eat and i would be so specific about what i would order and they would be like i couldn't go to a fondue restaurant because of whatever reason or i didn't want to order dessert for whatever reason and i thought i was doing it in the name of health but if you yeah. think about it how healthy is that really like you should be able to eat what makes you feel good. And sometimes some foods make you feel good. And sometimes some foods don't make you feel good. But actually getting to decide what that may be. The healthiness is not in whether you're eating it or not. It's yep. in the trust of yourself to be present in that moment. Trust the feedback of your body, whether it's mm, this chocolate fondue for like, you know, like yeah. that example tastes good or oh, this chocolate fondue is too sweet or, or just, oh, it's fun to eat fondue with my friends, you know? Exactly. When I decided that that is the message that I wanted to promote, I wanted people to recognize me as a weight inclusive dietitian is because your weight has nothing to do with the work that we do together. It's just there, just like the sky is there, just like, you you know, your car is there, whatever is in front of you. It's just something that's there. But for most of your life, having such a tumultuous, as you explained, relationship with food to be able to pull someone out of that and for them to realize really how like out of tune they are with their bodies and then for them to be able to get back to that center where they're like able to be in tune with their bodies and to listen to what their bodies are telling them is like the most amazing feeling for someone to feel and so that's why I always highlight on like what the habits are and what what habits actually improve your health and that's what's important. Yeah. And I think, I hope that everybody listening really hears that there is a place where you can go to talk about nutrition and talk about your health where your weight will not be the focus and your emotional needs as well as your health behaviors will be prioritized. And I think, you know, Eleni, your voice just shines through as such a compassionate place where, you know, you don't just work with PCOS, right? Anybody could work with you. Yeah. So we'll put all of your information below. Um, you. You're a wonderful resource. And I thank you so much for being on not just one, but two episodes. If you missed our last episode, go back and check that out. Uh, both of them were really a great mix, I feel like, of your personal story as well as your professional path. So thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been really great. And I hope that people who are listening find this useful and helpful. They will, for sure. Thanks so much. And we'll see you soon. 
parents, if you've ever experienced bedtime battles with the kids, I'm going to let you into a little secret. The Koala Moon podcast has revolutionized over 20 million bedtimes, with parents like you calling it life-changing and the perfect nighttime routine. With original kids' bedtime stories and cozy sleep meditations, every episode has been specially designed to make bedtimes a dream. Listen to Koala Moon on the iHeartRadio app, on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Discover a new educational and interactive podcast, Stories for Kids by Lingo Kids. Our episodes are packed with fun activities. Right, Elliot? Oh, yes! We went shape hunting around the block, and we found spheres and cubes on the street. That was great fun. Join Stories for Kids, the Lingo Kids podcast, inspiring you to learn while having fun. Listen to Stories for Kids on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.